Welcome, everybody, to the Hybrid Theory Podcast, where we discuss everything in youth sports from development, coaching, industry, landscape, and how to save you money, honestly. Uh, one of the reasons why we decided to start this podcast, or why I decided to start this podcast, is due to the fact that, especially within social media, you can't really do too much in terms of spreading information or having or creating and cultivating conversations because you're limited in a lot of instances to reels, which last a minute and 30 seconds. Um, so you can't have as much of a dialogue or, or grab attention spans as you would like to, especially because social media nowadays is built and, and thrives off of, you know, quick ready-made things. How much information can I give you in 30 seconds? Because I don't want to sit here and listen to 30 minutes worth of information. That is a step-by-step -step process. Um, so now instead of you being able to create one video that just talks about the entire thing that you would like to, you now have to create a series of videos that talks about a whole bunch of things. But again, it's about instantaneous gratification. So it's like, I got this part. Okay, but what about this? And so you'll have a series of people commenting and saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And it's like, yeah, we'll get to those things, but I can't just post seven or 18 videos because if i do not everyone is going to view it because then i'm subjected to the algorithm it's a whole process so fastest way to do that is okay let's create a podcast and let's talk extensively for more than a minute and a half um and from what i continue here there are people who are willing to listen and so that's what we're here for the objective with this podcast is simple um it's to have more extensive dialogue with people um it's to be able to touch on topics, subjects, uh, research, studies, a lot of things that I'm incapable of sharing because I'm restricted to the platform that's being used. Whereas here I can make it my own. I can make my own conversations. Um, I can interview people. I can bring people on. And, and I know for a fact that you will receive this content. You will be able to see this and you will be able to listen to it extensively. So as to, you know, okay, you may disagree to one part or aspect. I can elaborate now. I can go into detail as to why I think that um, there's a lot of different things that that can be done, especially within this podcast for, podcasting format. Um, and so that's what we're going to attempt to do. Um, now, granted, I've never um, really done, I've, I've done a bit of podcasting, but with co-hosts, I've never done it solo before. So bear with me with a lot of this. Um, and uh, you, you know, you'll see as the videos continue to post, uh, I would hope and believe that I would get a, a little bit better at it. Um, but that's the fun part about it, isn't it? Um, uh, one of the reasons why I named the podcast hybrid theory is because, um, it's a part of science or part of science theorizing, right? Um, that's, that's, that's one of the cool things about science. And, and a lot, I think a lot of people miss that is the sporting world. The fitness world is a part of science. And literally the, the the essence of science is is test theory. It's like you test it out, it fails, and then you <laughs> you, you do it again. Um, and I think people really, really lose that and and they've created this lane or avenue to where like fitness is perfect, studies are perfect, this is perfect, that's perfect, and just not now granted there are studies and research and certain things are absolute in terms of the research being found but we're constantly pushing the envelope and what does that mean that means that we're constantly looking for new avenues in order to exchange information in order to exchange how we interpret things or believe things or do things or whatever the case may be um 
So it's 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 important to lead with that as we begin to branch off into youth development, youth sports. Now, there are factual things, there are opinionated things, there are different theories. I have different theories pertaining to things, but I also have facts and I also have other people's opinions. So we are going to collectively as a community implement all of that and create a nice chain of dialogue and conversation that I hope and believe will encourage a lot of us to do better and create better. With that being said, let's go into a few facts. Fact one, youth sports is a billion dollar industry. Fact number two, a lot of you are spending entirely too much money on this particular opportunity that they have fluffed in your brain as a potential opportunity. And not a lot of your kids are actually going to be able to grasp that opportunity, understand that opportunity, and then be able to take that opportunity forward and move forward. There's a reason why in the NBA, there's only about 400 semi-odd basketball players. There's a reason why in a lot of leagues, there's you know certain amount of players that they can keep or cap or whatever the case may be. So not everyone is going to make it. So that is absolute. Number three, a lot of your kids are doing too much. They're overtrained. They're exhausted. And we're going to get into the signs about that and what that means and the formula behind it. Great. Uh, number four, the quality of coaching, the quality of development, the quality of fundamentals is at an all-time low. Number five, the quality of talent and athleticism is at an all-time high. Um. And you can see that, right? Like even if we did, I uh, you know the 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 research and all that kind of stuff, you can see that eye test. You can see that a lot of kids in a multitude of sports don't know how to really play the game in the true essence of the way that certain games were supposed to be played. Um, if you look at basketball, if you look at uh, uh, soccer, a lot of kids don't know how to defend. A lot of kids don't know how to move off the ball. A lot of kids don't know how to do anything, but chuck three-pointers right dribble dribble step back three-pointer a lot of kids in soccer don't know how to do anything but just push the ball down and just try to outrun you so there's a lot of fundamentals especially here within the united states that are missing that are lacking within youth sports um and theory number one i think a lot of it stems from the sedentary lifestyle that we've essentially encouraged with social media and 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 uh, AI systems and video games and et cetera. Now, I'm not saying that a lot of those things can't be used as an added tool. Um, there's a lot of cognitive enhancement items with research, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, detrimental type research that goes into that as well. But I think once we stop going to the playground, once we stop going outside as a generation or collectively as kids, I think that's where it kind of all fell off. Because if you think about it, and I will look into more research to 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 support said theory, but again, essence of science is if you look at it, eye test. Um, think about when you were younger, especially if you're an adult, especially if you were born in 70s, 80s, 60s, whatever the case may be. Think about what you did as a kid. You were constantly out. You were constantly active. You were constantly walking places. Um, in a lot of instances, a lot of 
cities didn't have buses or motor scooters or electric bikes and all that kind of stuff or whatever. So you jogged, you biked from house to house, um, you know, in order for you to figure out whether or not your friend was home, you actually had to bike over there or you had to jog over there or you had to walk over there. And it could have been a two and a half miles. But for you, it was nothing. It was just like, that's just the distance that I have to get to in order to meet Max or in order to meet uh, uh, Brittany or whatever the case may be. Um, and that builds a certain foundation, physiologically speaking, for you. It also builds a certain mentality as well. There's a lot of benefits and enhancements that goes into the lifestyle that we used to live. Climbing trees. Think about the last time you've seen a kid climb a tree. Think about the last time you've seen kids play kickball in the middle of a cul-de-sac. Think about the last time you've seen kids playing tag or freeze tag or uh, uh, manhunt or whatever the case may be. Um, think about the last time you've seen kids, you know, from the ages of, you know, 10 through 14 or even 8 through 14. Uh, being in a park and just doing stuff, right? Monkey bars, jungle gym, whatever the case may be. You've built up certain habits and you don't even realize it. In order to be on the monkey bars, you have to have some semblance of core strength as well as upper body strength. A lot of your kids can't even complete one push-up. For us, that was like standardized. We would have push-up competitions. We would have pull-up competitions. We would have to do the rope in gym where you had to, to climb to the ceiling and ring the bell, right? So we lived an alternate lifestyle that a lot of these kids no longer live. And the reality of it is fact, most of your kids do not have access or the avenue or the, the capability to actually be able to be kids nowadays. If you truly think about it, a lot of your kids wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. Some of them actually have to be at school at seven or eight. From seven or eight o'clock, they're in school until about 3.30, four o'clock in a lot of instances, don't get back home, immediately go to practice and immediately from practice, they then have to do homework and immediately from homework, they then go to sleep and repeat that same cycle. So not only are they tired and fatigued, but they don't have any time to actually do any extracurriculars. They don't have time to engage in additional sports or even just recreationally, leisurely. They don't have time to just shoot hoops, rollerblade down the hill or whatever the case may be. Um, so when it comes down to it, they're lacking solid foundations that we used to have. And this is one of the reasons why you're seeing so many, and this is a fact, it is an epidemic right now in terms of the injury crisis within youth athletes. There are entirely too many youth athletes who are suffering injuries on a repeated basis and not just like common little niggles, but we're talking about like extensive surgery needing injuries, like long-term chronic injuries as early as 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old. Every year I hear about at least five girls from different teams within the area that I, you know, I have clients that associate with who have suffered ACL, MCL, or what have you. I've had two clients in this past year who've suffered ACL tears. So that should tell you something. And it's it's becoming more and more common. Think about when you were a kid. It was very, very uncommon for you to hear about somebody who suffered an ACL or MCL injury. Now, why is that? Foundational perspective. Foundational perspective. Um, foundational perspective. 
you had a certain semblance of physiological makeup. You did multiple things. You you didn't you weren't overtraining. You weren't specializing from an individual sports perspective. You yes, you were playing your sport, right? So you're playing baseball, you're playing football, you're playing basketball, you're playing soccer, whatever the case may be. But then you also did other stuff. You just kind of ran around and did stuff with your your your, your friends. Um, you you went to the beach. You went to the sandlot. You went to uh, this place where they had a super high hill and you rolled down the hill for hours and hours. You went into the woods and you climbed trees and, uh, uh, you know, it, it had hills and all kinds of stuff or whatever. And so that built up your body in a sense that it became more versatile. So when it came time for you to actually play within your sport, you were less likely to actually suffer injury because your physiological makeup was built up to protect itself. Kids are operating on the same ligaments, the same muscles over and over and over again. And what happens when you do that? Eventually, something's going to give. All right. I, I want you to imagine that you have two cars. You alternate between cars. Both cars are going to last a lot longer because you're using both methods, right? But if you use one car over and over and over again, and you're constantly pushing at 100 miles an hour, what do you think eventually is going to happen internally to the car? Engine, alternator, the gas is, uh, I mean, the, the the oil is is definitely going to go quickly. The brakes are going to go quickly, especially if I'm just hitting the brakes over and over again. Brake oil is going to go, caliper is going to go, et cetera. So this is what's essentially happening to your kids. Your kids are rapidly breaking down in front of your eyes. You can see it, but you can't make sense of it because this billion-dollar industry isn't saying anything about it because so long as they have you within competition and they're making money off of you and if you see the costs are going up every single year and what's not going down is the travel what's not going down is the team fees what's not going down is the plane tickets what's not going down is the hotel fees they're going up as well so you are restricted with what a lot you're able to do for your kids Reality number one, you're not going to be able to change this overnight. And I understand and know that I'm not going to be able to change this landscaping overnight as well. But how do we create better? And this is one of the reasons why we started the podcast while we're having this conversation. How do we create better for the next generation? What do we do to supplement what's being compounded on this new generation? And that's what we're collectively trying to figure out. So... See if we could try to find some solutions. Your kids are not able to be kids anymore. I'd, I'd argue that that was a fact um, in a lot of instances of, of things that I've communicated and understood. Kids are no longer able to just not do their sport. It's almost like discouraged if you do something alternate than being with your team. It's almost like frowned upon. You're basically like, like people are critical of you if you decide, hey, I'm going to go, we're going to go to the beach and we're going to go swimming this weekend versus we want you to come to this camp, even though we're going to run the same drills that we did for the last 10, 11 months, which brings me into another sequence cycle. Sports are becoming a year round thing. I don't even think there's even like a sports season anymore. Um, I remember growing up, there was like, okay, basketball is between this time and that time. Soccer is between this time and that time. Football is between this time and that time. Like you had your fall sports, you had your winter sports, you had your spring sports. I don't even think 
we have that anymore. I think everyone is, to my knowledge, just playing year round now. I think the structure between the tournaments and the whatever, they're pushing it to where you just have to be in it all the time. And one of the realities of being in it all the time is obviously wear and tear on the body. Um, lack of ability to be able to do the things that actually help you reduce injury and reduce wear and tear on the body. And not to mention lack of time for your kids to disassociate from sport and actually become legible individuals who can live in life. Um, too many of our kids, this generation are solely focused on just being a part of the team. And I get it. Like there's a social aspect, but think about like, I want you to think about this. A lot of your kids probably don't even know who their neighbors are. Right. And and that's how we met friends. We, we met people around the neighborhood and then we had our friends at school. Um, and then we made friends with, you know, our cousins, friends who, you know, when we go and see them, think about the last time your kids have been able to spend time together. A lot of your nieces and nephews, are probably playing alternate sports and half of you can't get together. Half of you can't even really get together for a family reunion, let alone a, a barbecue or something. Like think about the last time where you actually hung out with family and it wasn't like, oh, we're going to be in town because, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, Lisa has a tournament. So we're going to be in town, you know, so we'll, we'll stop by. Like, I mean, like you actually plan to go and spend time with your, brother your sister um your nieces your nephews grandma grandpa like you you were like we're gonna spend a week here we're gonna take a vacation here it's been a long time since you've done that and that leads into seasonal periods as we were talking about the the off-season in-season pre-season periods because you're competing for 10 to 12 months now you no longer have an off-season period so you don't have a period to where you can strengthen your body or take off. You don't have really a preseason period because essentially you're just jumping from season straight into season. So you don't have time to really focus on that. So you're already you're doing summer conditioning and then jumping into what is supposed to be preseason. But preseason is why are we doing summer conditioning when there's preseason? Preseason conditioning. Like it makes no sense. Um, and then you have, you know, again, your off season. In-season training isn't even really a thing in terms of strength work and, and building motor skills and foundation and different things like that. So we, we're we're already at a loss, right? We don't have time for our kids to be kids. Um, we don't have time to build a better foundation. We don't have time to do alternate because we're being encouraged to just stay within the program and just follow that program, even though the program is not legible. We've already assessed the fact that uh, the programming and coaches and the education and the implementation of how to develop your children is at an all-time low. Um, and a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, my coach is good, this, that. I'll, I'll give you a couple of signs. So we'll double back a little bit. Here's one of the reasons why I say it's at an all-time low. It does not take much to recruit talented kids, put them all on one team, and say, go out and play. If I take five Bronny Jameses and I put them on a court and I say, go out and play, I really don't have to do too much coaching. 
Why? Because they're freakishly athletic. They can all dunk. They can all jump. They can all pass. They can all run, you know, four, five, whatever the case may be at 16, 17 years old. I haven't really done any coaching. So if I'm playing and I'm entering teams into lower divisions, lower tier competition, and I say, all right, you go out there, of course, they're going to they're going to dominate. But here's what happens. Imagine you play against a team of another five Brody Jameses. Just your five against their five. What do you think is going to happen? Now, athleticism meets athleticism. Now it's even. So what differentiates that? So if you haven't done any semblance of tactical structure, running plays, teaching them and understanding how to get to their spots, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm talking basketball terms. <laughs> You're not going to win the game. I, I went and watched one of my cousin's uh, state championship games out in Maryland. And it all came down to coaching. All came down to coaching. They had this one kid consistently, consistently just chuck up, a, you know, chuck up a shot, chuck up a three or whatever, was never looking to pass. He would hold on to the ball for basically the duration of the shot clock, similar to like a LeBron James thing, and then basically try to kick it out to somebody who they, they had already ran three plays and he waved off all of them. So now they're like, all right, well, what do we do? He's like, just wait for me. Coaching. Coaching would say, if I pull him out and I put somebody in who can just facilitate the ball, we win the game. But he had six to eight plays back to back to back, all similar. Three or four of them were turnovers, and the other three or four he he missed. Missed the shot. Made a terrible play or whatever, got stripped, whatever the case may be. Um, that's coaching. So I want you to look and reflect on a lot of your coaches. See how many of your coaches actually pull a lot of your players to the side. And then when they pull the player to the side, the player is now doing something alternate. Does not look fearful because there's a difference. If I pull a player over to the side and they instantly look timid or nervous, I didn't do my job. They should look a lot more relaxed. They should look a lot more sure. They should look a lot more focused and saying, okay, I got options now. Like I was, I was frantic before. I got options. Let me settle down. Let me get into my bag. You don't see that a lot. And you're not going to see it a lot. And that translates between football, soccer, whatever the case may be. You're not going to see that in a lot of team sports because a lot of this is about accolades. So this is what I mean by a lot of your, the, the coaching quality is at an all-time low. Now, Another reason why we started this podcast is so that way I can educate. I can educate you on what you're supposed to see, what's good, what's not good. So let's go back into overtraining. A lot of your kids are fatigued. I don't know if a lot of you are still stuck at the same job that you've been at for 11, 12 years, whatever the case may be. And I know for a fact, a lot of you are burnt out. A lot of you are burnt out and probably know you're burnt out, but can't do anything because you know for a fact your son or daughter's check is coming for this coming season and you got to make that money because they want to play next season. So you're going to work that job regardless of how tired you are. And a lot of your kids do not have that same semblance of responsibility. However, we encourage them to believe that they have that same semblance of responsibility. And it's not right. We're pushing these kids to compete at a professional capacity at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. 
a lot of these kids are playing 40, 50, 60 games at nine. Who in the world said that that was okay? Like, who, where are you believing? And this is a genuine, honest question. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but I I, I want to understand, because again, this is a dialogue that we're creating. I want to understand where this comes from, this perception that playing more games equates to more development. Like, all in one. Because I want you to think about this. If I go and play, we'll go in terms of soccer. If I go and I play a 60-minute game, that's an hour-long game, and I play majority of that game, and three hours later, I have to play another 60-minute game. And then tomorrow, I got to play another 60-minute game, and then another 60-minute game two hours after that. What semblance of energy do you think I have? I'm running all day long. What I don't, this is a, another bad habit that we have as well, where we say, okay, well, they're kids, they got energy. Yeah, they do. They got abundance of energy. But I, I want you to take you right now and I want you to run up and down the court or up and down the field at the same speed or velocity. If we compare, right? So let's say their max speed, you know, your kid is. 10, 12 years old. I want you to say that max speed is about a 5.1 yard dash. And I want you to imagine they do 32 of those per game. Now, your max speed right now in your season age um, may be a 5.1, 5.2. I want you to do the same 32 runs. And then I want you to come back three hours later and I want you to do those same 32 runs again. And then I want you to come back tomorrow. I want you to do another 32 runs and then two hours later do another 32 runs. So you can experience what your kids are going through from a physiological perspective. And what's happening as well, because of how flawed our structure is, a lot of them are not getting a chance to actually be conditioned. Fun fact, you can decondition a player. I'm not sure if they told you that before. But just as much as you can condition a player to be in shape, you can literally go over. It's it's almost I want you to imagine like we have a graph and I want you to imagine conditioning is going up and then there's a peak where you're supposed to level out and maintain that and stay in conditioning range. You can literally summit, just drop all the way back down to the bottom. It's deconditioning. You can read about it. And we will have another episode that talks about deconditioning. But you can decondition an athlete. And what happens with a lot of these kids is because we want to run them ragged and we're, uh, which is another fact, I think this is fact number six. We are like 20 some odd years behind in terms of training methods, especially for youth athletes. We're like 20 plus years behind. We're still using the same stuff, the same warmups, the same whatever that we use back in 2000. When I was like six, seven, eight, something like that. That's ridiculous. But we are we are not conditioning our kids properly. We're not training our kids properly. We're not building them up to where they can compete at peak. And then we throw them in a tournament and we say, okay, now go at your fastest, play at your hardest, do all of these things. And then I expect you to do it again next week. 
like I said, if you really want to know what your kids go through and you really want to know if they're being overtrained, I want you to do the exact same thing. And don't give me the excuse of, well, I'm older, blah, blah, blah. No, we're going to take your current state with their current state. You're going to do the best you can because you encourage them to do the best they can. And I want you to even that out and I want you to see if it makes any sense. And perhaps you'll start talking less on the sideline when you see how tired and fatigued your kid is. And then maybe you'll start taking better approaches to say, you know what, what could we do to condition these kids better? And then maybe you'll start to ask the question of why aren't these kids being conditioned properly? We're doing all of this training year round. We're playing all of these games. How is it my kid still looks sluggish and slow? Because if they were in top tier conditioning and shape, they shouldn't look sluggish and slow until towards the end of the season. So let's say you play 40 games similar to what professional athletes experience where they go into the playoffs and then they have to play quick back to back competitive games. And then they start to look sluggish and fatigued and slow, especially if, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Basketball, they have to go into a seven game series. Then they start to, to die down. I want you to to think about that. So why does your kid and this goes back to developmentally as well, whether it be technical or foundational or fundamental. Why does your kid look the exact same from the very first game to the very last game? And this is how you can tell whether or not your kid is being developed. Because we talked about quality of the coaching, but we're also talking about the quality of the development. Here's how you can tell whether or not your kid is getting better is this is simple, right? If I have a kid and I'm training him for 12 months and he runs a 5-4 flat, by the time we get 12 months in, he should be either at the 5 mark or below the 5 mark at a 5.9 easily, especially as a youth athlete. I want you to test your kid at the beginning of the season because we're, you know, heading in towards the summertime, getting ready to potentially start a new season if any of your seasons ever end because they don't, it's like 12-month seasons now. I want you to test your kid today, whenever you listen to this podcast or the following day, depending on what time you listen. Test your kid, see how fast they can run, and then I want you to test them at the end of the season at the end of the year next year. Um, and I want you to see whether or not any improvement is happening. If you are, uh, you know, you want to do a test from a technical perspective or fundamental perspective, they play basketball, see how many, um, see how many shots they can make in a row, have them take 500 shots, see how many go in. And then I want you to do that same test going, uh, into the end of the season see how many they make. If it's the same, they haven't gotten any better. If it's less, they've gotten worse. Obviously, if it's higher, but significantly higher, that means they've gotten better and more consistent. Same thing for soccer. It could be free kicks. It could be shooting. It could be 1v1s. That's also a good indicator as well. 1v1s. Just one-on-one. You can can do that in any sport. One-on-one. How many times can my kid be successful in a one-on-one and against good competition? Not just, not just you grab some kid off of the street and he may or may not play. No, good competition. Find the best defender on your team 
somebody that your kid struggles with and say, can I play you one-on-one and then four months, five, nine, 10 months from now, can I play you again one-on-one, see how many times they're successful? So from a defensive standpoint, did they improve? From an offensive standpoint, did they improve? These are simple X's and O's. These are simple remedies in terms of coaching and development. And this is why I say, and, and, and that's also another thing. Coaches don't have any semblance of measurement for progress, um, even though they offer progress reports. But I look at all these progress reports from the multitude of different athletes that I see, and it's never anything legible. They say the same thing. Oh, you got to work harder, blah, blah, blah. Very few instances, they actually apply detail of what you need to work on and how you can work on it and providing you with a game plan in order to achieve that. It's But it's the same nonsense. Yeah, work harder. Duh. Work harder at what? Or it could be that I don't need to work harder because I'm already working my ass off. Maybe I just need to work smarter. That could also be the remedy as well. But will they apply that to be a remedy? No. Because a lot of them don't know how to work smarter. All they know how to do is work, 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 work. They come from this generation of 20 years back. But we've gained so much knowledge in terms of how we train athletes and how we can develop athletes better. And we're not using any of it because a lot of them don't know and, and, and don't study these things. Just because you specialize in a sport doesn't mean that you know everything pertaining to how to develop an athlete. There's especially a mental side now where you have to, and, and I think growing up as well, I didn't really have to worry too much about the mental side because I had mentors. I had people who would sit me down and talk to me. I had my father. I had my brother. I had people that I could bounce ideas off of, whatever the case may be. And I don't think a lot, a lot of these kids have access to coaches to where they can actually sit down and have a legible conversation because coaches are worried about accolades, because coaches are worried about wins, because organizations are solely focused on how can we continue to elevate our brand, going back to that brand thing we were talking about. So I think that's that's where we're stuck at. And I think a lot of you are leaving it up to these organizations, these supposed professionals to educate you on these things. And I, I need all of you to understand that a lot of them really don't know and really don't care to figure out a different avenue or a different chain. One, because the paycheck is coming consistently. Two, they don't want to have to work extra. Three, because they believe that athleticism will beat all. Four, a lot of them just don't care. Five, a lot of them want to know, but they're restricted. Whether they're restricted to their organization or they're restricted to a lot of them just, you know, they don't know. I've had coaches reach out to me and they say, yo, where do you get this information from? It's in books. It's in certifications. I got my certification for youth performance, youth fitness, youth this, youth that, et cetera. I've studied this stuff. So a lot of people aren't taking the time to. So I want you to take the time. And we're going to take the time here on the Hybrid Theory Podcast.